Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Church at Home this morning. My name is Kyle, and it's an honor to have you with us this morning. Whether you are tuning in with us live, or you're watching this later, or even if you're listening to this from a podcast, we're just grateful to be able to spend a little bit of time with you this morning. Today is the most important day of the entire year, because today is Mother's Day. And so we just want to say thank you to all of you mothers out there who were so incredible. But really, Mother's Day goes so far beyond just moms. We're grateful for all women who were created in the image of God. God loves you. God cares for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you have so much value and worth to God and to this entire world. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you have an incredible, blessed day today. This morning, we are beginning a brand new sermon series that has nothing to do with Mother's Day. It's just a coincidence that we're starting on the same day. We're starting a new four-week series today called This Means War. This Means War. Now, last week, we just finished a two-week sermon series called Do Something Now. And I wanted to follow that series with this series because the reality is Satan does not want you to do something now. He knows that the moment you decide to follow Jesus, you become a serious threat to the work that he is doing in this world. And he has spent thousands of years studying people, studying mankind, and learning best how to strategically attack the people of God to knock them out of the war. Because ultimately, Satan wants to stop you from knowing God. But if he can't do that, he'll try to stop you from living for God. And that's why we're doing this series, because if we are declaring war against the enemy, we have to know who it is that we're fighting. Over the next few weeks, we're going to learn some of the ways that Satan specifically and strategically comes against us. But this morning, we're just going to start with the basics, and we're going to talk about the enemy. We want to talk about who Satan is, what his story is, and how we can defend ourselves against some of his attacks. And this is so, so important that we start here because we can't fight the enemy that we can't identify. We can't fight against an enemy that we can't identify. And if we don't know how he fights, then we are going to be hopelessly overwhelmed, not if, but when he attacks. You have to acknowledge that both he and the battle that he wages are very, very real. Satan has already waged a war against God's people. It's time that God's people fought back. On June 6, 1944, at 6.30 a.m., 5,000 ships carrying 160,000 Allied troops, they approached the southern beaches of France in the largest invasion in modern history, what we now know as D-Day. On that day, 2,500 American men died 
all within a span of about 15 minutes. And as the boats reached the shore on that day, it, it was, it was, the battle was so great, it was so terrible that as men were getting off of their boats, they were literally having to climb over the lifeless bodies of their brothers in arms who had already died before they were able to get off of the boat. And they had to crawl over them just to get to the shore where the real battle was taking place. And here's why this is so important. It's because on that day, as those soldiers boarded the boats headed to Normandy, they were fully aware of what they were walking into. They knew they were going into a brutal battle that meant life and death. They knew who the enemy was. They knew what the enemy wanted to do. And the problem with so many Christians today is that many of us don't even realize that we're in a battle. We have an enemy against us that is seeking to destroy us, and we're just ignoring that fact. And by ignoring the spiritual battle that is taking place around us, that would be just as crazy as walking onto that beach that day, June 6, 1944, not with a gun or not with a weapon, but with a beach towel. You can't do that. You have to get ready to fight the war that you are in. Now, last week, we wrapped up last week's message with a verse from Ephesians 6. And I want to use that verse as a launching pad for this series because it's going to set up why it's so necessary that we learn about who the enemy is. Now, in this passage in Ephesians 6, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and this is written 2,000 years ago. But what he said to them back then is absolutely true for us and for the church today. Here's what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He said, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The world is engaged in a spiritual war that and they don't even know exists and most Christians don't even know that this war exists. Or if they don't believe that, they just don't want to acknowledge it. But we have to have a battle plan in order to fight against a very real enemy. C.S. Lewis once said, when it comes to the demonic, people usually fall into one or two errors. Either they take him altogether too seriously, or they don't take him seriously enough. You probably know Christians who fall into either one of these categories. They're, they're too serious of what's going on in the spiritual battle, or, or they're just completely ignorant. Some Christians, they tend to take everything bad that happens and, and to them, and they just call it spiritual warfare whenever they're having a bad day. And they would say, well, I didn't get the promotion that I was seeking, so Satan is just really attacking me. Or, or they'll say, well, traffic is just so bad today. Satan clearly doesn't want me to get where I'm going all the good parking spots were taken at the grocery store and I had to walk all the way across the parking lot. Satan is just physically coming against me today and waging war against me physically. I burned the pizza in the oven. Really, Satan, it's gonna be like that today? I just can't catch a break, right? They take everything that happens, every bad or negative thing, and they over-spiritualize it and they attribute every problem that they have or face or encounter and they call it spiritual warfare, but on the other side of the spectrum is those who completely ignore Satan altogether, which is far more dangerous because the most dangerous enemy is the one that you don't even know is your enemy. There is a war and there is an enemy who is fighting against us. 
Now let me give you a little bit of a backstory on who our true enemy is. We call the enemy Satan, but Satan isn't actually his name. The word Satan is really just his job description. When you're so good at something, you are just as much known for what you do as who you are. It's like calling someone coach. I, I have a buddy who, who coaches football at Missouri Western here in St. Joseph, and his name is Matt, but I don't call him Matt or Matthew or Maddie or anything like that. I, I, when I see him, I call him coach. I say, hey, coach, how's it going today? Good to see you, coach. I call him that because that's what he's known for. Being a coach is what he's good at. And the same is true for why we call the enemy Satan. And we'll spend more time talking about that in the upcoming weeks, uh, about what he does, because the word Satan isn't actually a noun. The word Satan is more of a verb. Now, for those of you like me who were thrust into homeschooling your kids, a noun, as I've learned from my third grader, is a person, place, thing, or idea. But a verb is an action. So the word Satan isn't a noun, it's a verb. The word Satan is an action. And we're gonna talk about the actions that he takes against us in the upcoming weeks. So we call our enemy Satan, but his name is actually Lucifer. And Lucifer has been around since before the creation of the world. What we know through reading the Old Testament in places like Ezekiel is that God created angels, but he also created something called archangels, which are essentially just like managerial angels. He created Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And, and what the Bible tells us is that Lucifer was beautiful, he was full of wisdom, and he was basically the worship leader in heaven. Now, the problem with Lucifer is that he became filled up with pride because he was so impressed with himself and who he was and all of his abilities. And instead of leading the angels and the heavenly host in worship of God, he wanted all of this glory for himself because he thought that he was God's equal. And because of that pride, God cast him out of heaven and Lucifer was so destructive and so manipulative and so convincing that it says that he took one third of all the angels in heaven with him, which is what we call demons today. Now, what we all know and love and believe is that God has an incredible plan for our lives, which is absolutely true. God does have a plan for your life. But what you might not know is that Satan has a plan for your life as well. Jesus told us in John 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Satan wants to steal your hope. He wants to kill your joy. And he wants to destroy any impact that you could possibly have for the kingdom of God. There are two things about Satan and how he works that we need to understand if we don't want to end up as a casualty of this spiritual war. The first thing that's important to understand about the enemy is that you can't see him. You can't see him. We've all heard that expression before, I'd have to see it to believe it. And normally we say that when something just seems so crazy or, or wild that unless we see it with our own eyes, we deny that it exists or that it's happened. I have to see it to believe it. And unfortunately, that's how most of us approach the enemy, Satan, because we can't physically see him. So we either don't believe in him or we don't believe that he's even that big of a deal. There are a lot of Christians out there today that are so naive when it comes to the enemy. They don't acknowledge him because they can't 
see him. And that's exactly what he wants to happen. He wants us to ignore him. He doesn't just parade around like we think in this red suit with horns and a tail and and pitchfork doing all of this evil, obvious magic for all of us to see. At least he's not quite that obvious here in America. He's cunning, he's sneaky, and he is excellent at his job, which is stealing and killing and destroying. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8, Peter warns us about him. And here's the warning that Peter gives us. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. He's a lion. He's a predator. He's he's a hunter. And hunters prefer to stay hidden from their prey so that they can have the advantage when they finally attack. A hunter, a predatory animal like a lion, they stalk their prey. They work best under the element of surprise. That's why Peter says that you have to stay alert to who he is and what he's doing. In the same way, if you don't stay alert to what Satan is doing in your life, or if you don't even acknowledge that he exists, he's okay with that. He doesn't mind if you don't believe in him. In fact, that's the way he prefers it. Satan doesn't care if you believe in him because if you don't believe in him, then you won't see him coming. And that's how you are the most vulnerable if you're not even watching out for your greatest enemy. You know, statistically, 74% of all Americans would say that they believe in a literal place called heaven. 74% of Americans believe in a place called heaven. However, four out of 10 of those do not believe in a literal place called hell and a very real enemy called Satan. And only 1% of people believe that they will go to a place called hell. Because most people would say, well, if there is a hell, hell is a place just for the really bad people. Hell is a place for for, for murderers and and rapists and, and terrorists and other people like that who've done really, really terrible things. Satan is, or hell is for bad people. And that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that a God so good wouldn't send good people to a bad place called hell. But the truth is, the gospel message is this. Jesus didn't come to make us good. He came to make us alive. And we are alive when we drink the living water that is Jesus Christ. Satan does not want you to know that. He doesn't want you to believe that. He does not want you to accept that. So believe me when I say that he is on the prowl, he is seeking to devour you, and he does not mind fighting dirty. That's why Peter says, stay alert, be sober-minded, watch out, because you have a very real enemy that is coming against you now. You have to open your eyes and you have to watch out for the attack of the enemy in the spiritual battle that you were engaged in. So the first thing about the enemy is that you can't see him coming. Here's the second thing. You can't escape the war with him. You can't escape the war with him. Every single person on planet earth is in the middle of this unseen spiritual war that is happening. And the enemy knows exactly how to come against you. If you struggle with insecurity, then Satan is going to pull on that thread and whisper in your ear that you are not pretty enough or that you're not smart enough or that you're not good enough or that you're not worthy enough. 
If you struggle with addiction, Satan is gonna work in those moments of isolation because he knows that when you're isolated, that's when you are the most susceptible to his attacks and he's going to come against you in your isolation to tempt you with whatever it is that you're addicted to. If you're having marriage problems, Satan knows how to make you feel justified and filled up with pride so that you would rather be right than be reconciled to your spouse. If Satan sees an opportunity to drive a wedge between you and a brother or a sister in Christ, then he'll bring a storm in to make you doubt their true intentions because he knows what will happen when you two work together to reach people for the kingdom of God. Satan does not want to come against you by making it rain when you'd rather have sunshine. Satan doesn't just cause all of your bad days that you're happening. Those things aren't spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is anything the enemy does to make you doubt the goodness of God. And Satan is really good at his job. A friend of mine once said that Satan can't read your mind, but he is an excellent judge of character. What that means is that he has studied you and he knows how to attack you in a way that inflicts the most damage on your relationship with God. So the bad news is you're in a battle that you can't get out of, but the good news is that God has equipped every believer for the war before him. You can't escape this battle, so you need to learn how to fight in this battle. You need a battle plan. A battle plan is a very common military thing that they do in any battle that they go into. They have a plan for how they're going to face the enemy that's before them. A battle plan is the strategy to be used in a military engagement. It's the plan for accomplishing a goal or dealing with a problem. And we, as Christians, followers of Jesus, we need to have a spiritual battle plan, a strategy that we can use in this spiritual engagement. Now, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us what we can do to prepare for the fight. So here's what Paul had already said that we talked about, verse 12. He said, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. But then check this out. We fight in this spiritual battle, not with physical weapons, but with spiritual weapons. Here's what Paul goes on to say in verse 13. He says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belts of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And then we see an echo of what Peter said. He says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, all the pieces of this armor go together. You can't just go into a battle with with just a shield, but you forgot your sword, or you wouldn't want to go into a battle like this with a helmet, but no body armor. No, you need every single thing that's listed here for a battle that you're engaged in. And the same is true for the spiritual battle that we're in. 
We need every piece of armor. We need every weapon at our disposal in order to fight in this war that we are in. But the main thing, the main weapon that Paul says that you and I need is the weapon called prayer. Because prayer doesn't just prepare you for the battle. Prayer sustains you all the way through the battle. Entering a battle without prayer, that would be like trying to, to start a car without fuel. It, it, it won't work. It wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't do anything. Prayer is the, the key to winning this war against the enemy. Prayer is how you stay alert. And, and listen to me, this is so important. If you underestimate the power of prayer, then you underestimate the power of the enemy. When you underestimate the power of prayer, that's when you underestimate the power of the enemy because you think that you can do it on your own. But when you pray, you tap into a higher, stronger power. If you're not willing to pray, then you aren't taking seriously this opponent that we face in the war that he's waging against us. If you're not willing to pray, then you're not going to stand a chance. Backtrack just a little bit in Ephesians chapter 6. Before Paul tells us to put on the armor of God, he gives us the key for winning the spiritual battle that we're in. He prefaces all this by saying in verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This battle that you are fighting, this war that we are in, has absolutely nothing to do with your power that you possess. Because your greatest strengths are actually your greatest weaknesses. Because your greatest strengths often trick you into believing that you can do this on your own. But your weaknesses, your weaknesses are very important because your weaknesses force you to rely on God's strength. The reason prayer is such a powerful weapon is because prayers unlock the power of God within your life. When we pray, we are admitting and we are surrendering to the fact that without God, we are fighting a battle that we have no hope of winning. Without God, we will not win this war. So you are not strong enough to win this battle on your own. You don't have what it takes. You are not good enough or smart enough or strong enough to defeat this enemy. Stop trying to overcome an enemy that has already been overcome. You are not fighting for victory over the enemy. You are fighting from the victory that Jesus has already won over the enemy. The only thing that Satan has left are lies and deceptions, but don't listen to him. Block him out. Instead, listen to the truth of God. Satan, all he wants to do is remind you of what you've done, but God wants to remind you of what he has done for you. Listen, there is a battle that is going on for you right now between God and Satan. That's how valuable you are. That's how important you are. God wants you, but Satan also wants you. Now, don't be mistaken. This is not like a movie where it's an even match between good and evil. God has won, and Satan already knows it. But he is using his last strength to take as many people out with him as he can. Today, you have a choice. You can either pray and say, Jesus, I reject you. Or you can say, Jesus, I accept you. And if that's you, if today you would say, this, this is the day when I, I want to surrender everything. 
And you can just say, you can pray, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross for me, who rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, I surrender to your strength. I don't have the power to save myself, so I'm asking you to save me. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you change me? Would you make me into a brand new creation? God, today I give my life to you. If that's you, then right now at this moment, a miracle can happen in your life. Because maybe, maybe before now you had no hope. You were, you were just completely lost. But right now at this very moment, God wants to reach into your life and he wants to know you and he wants to save you. Today can be the day that you make the most important decision that you will ever make. The day when you finally surrender your life to Christ and say, God, I want you fighting my battles for me. God, I want your plan for my life. God, I want your strength in my life. So today, I surrender it all to you. Are you ready to declare war? Are you ready to stand? Are you ready to fight? I hope you are, because God has an incredible plan for your life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to, to gather together here online. Father, we are in a war. God, we are hopelessly lost without you fighting for us. So God, today we are, we are counting on you to fight these battles for us. God, today we don't rely on our strength, but God, we trust in your strength. So Father, thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for defeating sin, death, and Satan on the cross. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.